listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. Get started this morning into the Word of God. I want to welcome you to Fellowship Paragold this morning. If you're new here, we especially want you to know how glad we are that you're joining us, whether it's for the first time, the second time, third time, or ever how many. We want to make it clear to you how you can connect with us, and we have several ways that you can do that. One way is through getting one of these connect cards over here on this black table as you leave. You can take one of those, fill it out, and hand it to either one of just the members here of our church that you know, or you can come to one of the pastors. And I'm Rusty. I'm one of the pastors here along with Jared Pickney and Luke Moore. And so you could find one of us as well on your way out this morning. And we would love to talk to you about how you can become a part of Fellowship Bible Church or how you can just begin to get involved so that you can learn more about it along the way. We exist so that every man, woman, and child would experience a daily encounter with the real Jesus. This is what we're all about. And we do this primarily through something we call missional communities, where we seek to be disciples who make disciples through living life on life, life in community, and life on mission. And so really, a missional community is the best way that you can understand what it means to be a part of Fellowship Paragold. We'll have some more information about how you can connect with a missional community at the end of our time together today. But just want to go ahead and let you know about that and let you know how eager we are to get to know you if you're new and how welcome we are, how welcome you are to be a part of what God's doing here. Well, if you'd open your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, we're going to be in verses 32 through 39 this morning. We're continuing our series, The Emotionally Healthy Life, and I've been speaking, you know, all this month, and Jared's going to be back next week preaching with you after he's taken some time off to focus on leadership development and casting vision for the future of our church, and I think he's bore a lot of fruit in this time, and so I think some great things are to come out of this season. But we're doing this series on the emotionally healthy life because we realize we're calling the people in our church to what Jesus has called us to. And that is to live every part of life as a disciple. That there's not one part of our lives that Jesus is not calling us to deny ourselves, take up our our cross, and follow Him. But if we don't understand what it means to do that in a healthy way, then we'll find ourselves not finding rest in Jesus, but being weary, worn out, burnt out, and maybe even just tuning out. And so we don't want that to be the case. We want to call you to the rest that Jesus gives us even as we give all of our lives to Him on mission. So that's what this is all about. This morning we're going to look at the the gift of limits. And so Mark chapter 1, verses 32 through 39. Read along in your Bibles you brought, on your phone, or up on the screen. That evening at sundown, they brought to Him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, 
that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Father, we ask you this morning that you would help us know more about who you are, more about what you have done for us in Jesus and who that makes us and what you're calling us to do and be in him. And we just express now our total dependence on you, Holy Spirit, to open our eyes to see the truth of your word. And we pray if anything is said that is not true, you would block it from our ears. It would fall to the ground. But Father, we ask that the truth of your word would go forth, that it would connect with hearts and that it would set people free. Father, teach us what it means to live out a life that is radically given to following Jesus and at the same time can experience the fullness of the rest that he gives us as we give ourselves fully to him. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever used something that was created or designed to be used for something else and totally wore it out? Have you ever used something that was created or designed to be used in a different way and totally wore it out? You might can think of some examples, and uh, it didn't take us long to think of one as a family as we talked about this. This winter, you know, when we had this, all this snow that was going on, and we were seeing on Facebook, everyone was going out sledding, everyone was having just the, the best time, except we didn't have a sled. And so we had to come up with some way for our family to have fun. I had to think of how can my kids have a good time like everyone else is having, but I'm not going to go out and buy a sled. Because I know when's the next time it's going to snow. And so I came up with an idea. Ryan, if you'll put this idea up here. Okay, so you see here we have these Rubbermaid Tupperware bins, whatever the proper way is to call them. This strap, you know, that you're usually locking things down on a trailer with. And I'm not putting the whole picture on here so y'all can't report us to child services. But, but this strap is hooked to the back of our van. Okay, and so you can. this is the, the look of happiness on our kids' face before what actually happens in a few seconds. Okay, so these bins are not designed for this, right? But here we go. And so I hit the gas, flying down through there. Everybody's having a great time until all of a sudden you know what's going to happen. The bins can't withstand this pressure. And so they start to break. They start to crack. They start to flip over. Kids start falling everywhere in the road. I'm afraid to like put on the brakes because then, you know, who knows who's going to be sliding up under the car. So don't do this. I've tried it for you. Now, it was a good thrill, Right? It looked like a good idea at the time. It was fun while it lasted. But in the end, guess what? We don't have those Tupperware bins anymore. They are no longer able to be used. Because if you use a good thing in the wrong way, you wear it out. You can wreck it. You can ruin it. And this is why so many of us sometimes can be weary, can be worn out, can feel wrecked, can almost feel like we're wasting our lives or that we're wasting away is because we have not yet figured out or understood what it means for us to live as God has designed us and to respect the limits that He has placed on our lives. 
Because if you do not live according to how God has designed you and respect the limits that come along with that, you will find yourself weary, worn out. One writer said this, that emotionally healthy people understand the limits God has given them. They joyfully receive the one, two, seven, or ten talents that God has graciously distributed. And as a result, they are not frenzied and covetous, trying to live a life that God never intended. They are marked by contentment and joy. You see, the gospel is good news that Jesus has come to set us free from sin. But it's also the good news that God has come to set us free to be the person He has created us to be. To not live under the slavery of trying to appear to be something we're not so that we impress someone else. But to have an identity that is so rooted and secured in Jesus that we are set free to be us. To be you to be me. But that means each of us in here have to realize the limitations that bring and to receive these limits as gifts. Well, how do we do that? Well, first of all, we have to acknowledge the reality of limits. And this is what we see in our text again this morning. I don't know if you noticed this, but in these verses, particularly verses 35 through 38, is that Jesus didn't do it all. Did you notice that? There's all, he heals a lot of people, and then he goes away to pray. The disciples come and say, hey, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. There's a lot more people to heal. There's a lot more good things to do. And do you notice what Jesus says? We got to go. We got to go. You see, Jesus was fully God, but when he... When he lived in this world, he was also fully man. He continues to be fully man, fully God and fully man. And these two things brought together as he was here on earth. We see that although he did not cease to be fully God, when he became fully man, he accepted all the limitations that that meant. So that means that we see Jesus here didn't say, you know what, I'm going to stay here in this town and go to the other town at the same time. No, he had limits of place, limits of space. And he acknowledged those. He said, we've got to go. Notice again verse 38. He says, let us go to the next towns. He wasn't going to be in both towns at the same time. There were limits of time we see also in that text. Let's go to the next towns. He knew he had to move on because he wasn't just snapping his fingers and saying, freeze time. I'm going to turn this three years of ministry into 3,000 years. No, there were limitations not only of place but of time. There was also this limitations of what he was doing in correspondence with the time he needed to be alone with the Father. Did you see that? Look again in verse 35. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. So you might think, why didn't Jesus just keep doing all this great stuff and pray while he's doing it? But he knew there was time he needed to get away and be alone with the Father. And we could go to other texts where we see Jesus, in, like John 4, 6. It says that he was wearied from his journey. It says he was hungry 
and he was thirsty. You see, we've talked about the fact that Jesus wept, but you know also that Jesus slept. He didn't just go, 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 go. Even though he was Jesus, there was limits as he was human. You see, one person writes, Jesus did not heal every sick and demon-possessed person. He did not build a great church in Capernaum when he was begged to remain in that city. He refused to let certain people follow him, such as the Gadarian demoniac who had been delivered. He prayed all night and chose only 12 to be those closest to him. Others were undoubtedly disappointed. Jesus did not run after the crowds when they defected from him after he delivered a difficult teaching about his body and his blood. Jesus did not go in person to meet the needs of everyone in Europe. Africa, Asia, or the Americas. Yet he prayed at the end of his life, I have finished the work you have given me to do. Jesus acknowledged the limits that he had on his life as he lived in this world under the call of the Father over him. And it is absurd for us to not acknowledge the reality of limits. It's absurd. It's like me when I was a kid. I really thought that I could fly. I had this sort of weird faith that wasn't wise. It was just weird. So I remember having my mom make me a Superman cape. And I remember I would stand at the end of our porch and I would run as fast as I could and jump off. And I would do this again and again and again. Everybody thought it was cute. Everybody thought it was funny. But I was dead serious the time I mean I just thought one of these times I'm going to take off and fly well news flash I can't fly and no matter how much I think I can I can fly I can do this I can't fly God has not designed me like a bird to fly now what if I would have thought you know what I need I just need a higher place to jump from I mean, this measly five feet or four feet or whatever it is, this isn't going to get it done. No wonder I can't fly. And let's say I would have said, Mom, Dad, will you take me to the cliff? Because this is where it's going to happen. Would that be courageous or ignorant? That's just ignorant, isn't it? But that's how so many of us live our lives. We think it is courageous to ignore the limits God has placed on us. Some of you are refusing to acknowledge the reality of limits and no wonder you are so emotionally beat. Guess what? You can't do it all. And some of you in here are just lazy and you're like, oh yeah, amen, preacher. But there's others of you in here who are... Who, are, who think you can do it all. And guess what? You can't. And some of you can fake it better than others, but if it doesn't catch up with you this week, it is going to catch up with you sometime. And what you'll find yourself doing is blaming everybody else who doesn't try as hard as you. Instead of acknowledging the limits that God has placed on your life. And you're sitting there thinking, yeah, but my mom, she could do it all. Or my dad, he could do it all. Or so-and-so could do it all. Do you see this other person's Facebook post? Look at what that mom does with her kids. I'm going to do the exact same thing so I can be as great. Look at what that person does with their life. 
But we've got to accept the fact God has not given one, everyone the same capacity and the same giftedness. And that's okay. One of the most hard things as a preacher or pastor is reading all these biographies of great preachers and pastors. And you read of guys like Charles Spurgeon. I know some of you have heard that. A guy who like reads a couple books a week, who runs a church, an orphanage, and a school. Who, while he's practicing preaching, people get saved who are just walking by in the background. <laughs> and you start to think, I'm going to do that. I can do it all just like him. What happens is we start to think, we start to create this one size fits all view of the Christian life. And we live trapped by unrealistic expectations. We think that God has given all of us in here the same script. We take too far the statement, we all have the same time, so we, I guess we should all be able to get the same amount done and it look the same. Are you accepting the reality or acknowledging the reality of the limits God has placed on your life? There's only 24 hours in a day. You're not going to change that. The energy that He's given you, the reality that is your limits. Or are you seeking to jump off a cliff as if you were really made to fly? Well, some of you may be saying, well, does that mean then that I'm just supposed to... Just say, well, this is my life. This is what it is. I guess you're telling me, Pastor, that I'm supposed to just be content with not growing, content with not seeking to do more, content with not seeking to push myself and grow. That's not what I'm saying. But you have to begin by acknowledging the reality of limits, and then you adjust for it. If you look back in our text this morning, we see this is what Jesus is doing. Jesus has, again in verse 38, the message delivered to him, everyone is looking for you, but we see Jesus gives this response. He says in verse 36, verse 38, that is, sorry, I've marked over my number. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. Notice, for that is why I came out. What is Jesus saying? God put a call on my life for this particular period and season while I'm here is to go to all these towns in Galilee and to preach the gospel. That is what He has called and empowered me to do. And this is how Jesus is going to live His life. He knows how God has wired Him, as it were. He is fully God and fully man. And guess what? Nobody else is that. Except him. And so he is going to shape his life based on whom he is. He knew how the Spirit was leading him. We see in other places the Spirit leads him into the wilderness. The Spirit leads him into preaching the gospel in these towns. He knew the ultimate calling over his life was to go to the cross. Was to be crucified for sins and to be risen for life. He knew his situation. He was single. He was homeless. He was from Nazareth. He was to go through Galilee. He was to end up in Jerusalem. So he shows his power in many places and to many people, but not everyone. So he prioritizes his preaching of, his wor of the word to explain his mission. And so he makes his schedule and everything he does as you go through this gospel of Mark and the other gospels around leading to 
the cross. His life plan is based on the cross, and he refuses to make any detour. Even though everybody's clamoring around saying, Do this for me, Jesus. Do this for me, Jesus. Even though his disciples will say, Jesus, you're crazy for going to Jerusalem. They're going to kill you there. And he's thinking, yes, but that's, what, that's the point. Even though Satan would offer him another route where he didn't have to accept those limits, but he could just make bre- stones turn to bread and immediately receive everyone's worship. Jesus does not just do the next good thing. He adjusts his life based on what God has called him to do. There's a story about Nicholas, the czar of Russia. I know some of you may have studied this in school. Cassie said even she taught it this past year at Paragold High School. And that's my wife, Cassie, if you're wondering who I'm talking about. And just, just listen to this and see if you don't find yourself at some place in this story. Nicholas found himself at the age of 26 installed as the czar of Russia. He was ruler of almost one-sixth of the world at that time. But he was a reluctant leader. This was not his passion. So how did he get into this role? He was forced by the death of his father into a role for which he was ill-equipped. Nicholas seemed to be just the opposite of his aggressive, strong father, whom he called father beyond compare. He lacked his father's experience. He lacked his father's authoritative manner and his majestic physical stature. Instead, what God had given Nicholas was a tender temperament. A deep love for his family. He was a sensitive person. He was continually accused of having an unzar like nature because he was so soft-spoken and kind. One historian noted, In office, the emperor's gentleness and his lack of self-assertiveness had been weaknesses. But with his family, they were strengths. The demands of ruling never suited his personality. He was more suited to be a tailor than an emperor. He much preferred to be with his wife and children in private at home or at one of their summer residences. But meanwhile, the storm clouds of World War I were swirling around him as the Bolshevik Revolution began in 1917. Out of a sense of duty, Nicholas stayed in the position he had been given. But eventually, Tsarist Russia crumbled. This is the conclusion that this one writer brings. If Nicholas had dared to break with the life script handed to him and let someone else become leader, history may have turned out differently. He just did what was given to him instead of what he was made for. We have got to adjust our lives based on the limits that God gives us. You may still be saying, what does that look like? Well, I want to give you some guards and then some guides for adjusting. The first guard is obedience is never a question of limits, right? So somebody is sitting there saying, whew, this is good. I don't want to stay married to this person. (laughs) You know, I just have not been created to deal with all this junk, (laughs) right? Guess what? That's not a question of limits. I'm just not made to be a parent, so I'm going to, like, get rid of my kids. Not a question of limits. I'm not created to be someone who knows and shares the gospel with other people. Not a question of limits, right? When Jesus went to the rich young ruler and told him to give up everything to follow him, the rich young ruler couldn't have said, Well, Jesus, you know, I'm just a person who loves money, and that's how God's created me. No. Obedience is never a question of limits. Priorities are never a question of limits. 
right? Well, you know, I just don't have any time to be in the Word, and I just need to accept that. I'm not going to be a person in the Word. Wrong, right? We see this encounter of Martha and Mary in the Gospel of John, and Martha is Miss Busybody servant in the kitchen, right? And Mary's in there hanging out at Jesus' feet. And Martha's like, why is my lazy sister not up helping? And Jesus says, Martha, Mary has chosen the better thing. The work's got to get done, but it's no excuse because God's wired you to be a hard worker that you're not to spend time at the feet of Jesus. Character flaws are not a question of limits. Wow, like I said earlier, I just need to accept God's made me lazy. No, that's not what we're talking about either. Some of you in here have a comfort idol. And right now, you're wanting to use this sermon as an excuse to continue to be lazy, to continue to feed that idol. No, our character flaws are not a question of limits. Some of you in here are just flat out mean, right? And you're wanting to maybe use this and say, well, I've just got to accept the fact I'm an angry person and I'm going to yell at people. And also, and this is the most tricky one, ability is not always a question of limits. Remember last week we talked about working through our weaknesses, that Paul said it's when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So it's not always your weaknesses that are a question of your limits. We know that when God called Moses to follow him, Moses said, I've got a speech impediment, God. And nobody's going to follow a guy like me. So again, ability is not always a question. Sometimes God is calling us to break through what we perceive as limits by faith. But He's also calling us to understand which limits we do need to receive as a gift and trust Him with. So how do we do that? We have to ask ourselves, how has God wired me? We need to know ourselves. We need to know our personality. Are we extroverted or introverted? Do we get energized by being with people? Or can we be with people for a while, but then we need more time alone? Are we people-oriented or task-oriented? Are we people who everything has to be ordered and scheduled? Or are we people who are fit for the spontaneous and the spur of the moment? We need to know how God's wired us in our emotional, physical, and relational capacities. Some of us are more laid back. Some of us are very easily overwhelmed. Some of you can live off five or six hours of sleep and you can just keep trucking along. Others of you, you don't get eight hours, you're, gonna, you're just not going to be any fun to be around. And no amount of coffee is going to make that work, right? You, that's just going to, as somebody said, coffee tricks you into feeling like you're in a good mood for about 30 minutes. And then it's back to reality for you. You see, limits aren't a matter of being lazy, but two different people, two different people can keep the same schedule with the same good motives and one be energized by it and the other be drained by it. And we have to recognize that. Also, not just to understand how God's wired us, but how God has gifted us. Has He gifted you to speak or to serve? Has He gifted you to, to lead or gifted you to, to follow? Limits aren't a matter of everyone speaking the gospel, but that doesn't mean that we're going to receive the same inward affirmation of the Spirit and the same outward affirmation of others. We all have different gifts. And we also don't have some gifts. We not only need to realize what we don't have, what we do have, what we don't have. And we need to adjust for that. We need to also understand how God has called us. And some people, I don't ever understand what that means. God called me to do something. What are you passionate about? 
What desires does he well up in your heart? You see, limits aren't a matter of taking up our cross and following Jesus in all of life. But you know, we don't all dream the same. What are the dreams and passions God is giving you? Are you adjusting to to flow and follow Him in that area? So how's He wired you? How's He gifted you? How's He called you? How has He situated you? Some of you are married. Some of you are single. Some of you have little bitty kids. Some of you have teenagers. Some of you work a job where... It's, it's high pressure, high, high uh, hours. Others of you have more flexibility. You just accept it for what it is. Acknowledge it. Adjust for it. Limits aren't a matter of checking out for a season of life, but we see that Paul even said, you know, there's certain advantages that come along in this season of being single, even though it's great to be married. Don't try to live in a different season of life than you're in. And also ask this, lastly, so how's he wired me, gifted me, called me, situated me, but how are others seeing me? Because you may be thinking, man, I am killing it. I am getting all this stuff done. And your wife is like, yeah, but it's no fun living with you when we get home. You're always anxious. You're always angry. You're always overwhelmed. You are so disorganized or you're getting everything done, but it's just like you're checking stuff off a list. And this area of limits may be one of the biggest areas where we are blinded to what's going on in our hearts. And we need other people to look in and speak. So we need to know ourselves and adjust for it. I'd love to be more concrete, but this is just an area where you are going to have to go home and take some time to respond to what God is saying today. If you're in a missional community, I think it would be good for each of you in a missional community to be able maybe just to write out one sentence that takes into account your personality, your giftedness, and your passion and say, even if I have to say no to everything else, I am going to give it all to fulfilling this vision for my life. Share that with your missional community leader. Share that with your fight club. Ask them to hold you accountable to adjusting to be who you are in Christ for the sake of reaching others in this city. Henry Nouwen says this, No two lives are the same. We often compare our lives with those of others, trying to decide whether we are better or worse off, but such comparisons do not help us much. We have to live our life, not someone else's. We have to hold our own cup. We have to dare to say, this is my life, the life that God has given to me, and it is the life that I have to live as well as I can. My life is unique. Nobody else will ever live it. I have my own history, my own family, my own body, my own character, my own friends, my own way of thinking, speaking, and acting. Yes, I have my own life to live. No one else has the same challenge. I'm alone because I am unique. Many people can help me to live my life. But after it is all said and done, we have to know who we are and follow Jesus with all that we have. So where this is all headed, we acknowledge the reality of limits. We adjust for it. But if we're going to be able to do that, we have got to accept it. Most of us in here think the limits that God has placed on our lives are obstacles to overcome instead of gifts to receive. Why is Jesus so intent in our text this morning and moving on to these other towns? 
He wants to preach the gospel. Where is he headed in this preaching of the gospel? He's headed to the cross. Do you realize that if Jesus would have said yes to everyone to ask him to do something, he would have never made it to the cross? Had he not walked the specific path that God had sent him, had shaped him, and called him to walk, then a lot of people would have been healed, but everybody would have been in hell. It's a dangerous lie that floats around in our culture is that we can all be whatever we want to be. And I hate to break it to you, and I'm not here to be Debbie Downer this morning, but you can't be whatever you want to be. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, kids. Uh, it's, it's just not going to happen. You know, Jared, never going to play offensive line for Ole Miss. Right? But we think of it like a 15-year-old boy who's in high school and his mom is saying, Honey, you can just do whatever you want to do. I think you'd be the best quarterback for the team. And you know, he's 5'3 and weighs 300 pounds. So he goes out to football practice and he's like, Coach, I'm going to be quarterback. Mama said that I could be the best quarterback on the team. And, uh, and so he, he gets out there and he's... He's in, you know, line with the quarterbacks and, you know, he can't, he, he can't just hardly even move his arm in a full range of motion through his shoulder pads. They're, they're running 40s, you know, and he's so far behind. And it's, it's hard for everybody to watch it, but you know who it's the hardest on? Him. He's wore out. He's frustrated. He's overwhelmed. He's discouraged. He feels like a failure. And then a good coach just comes over there and puts his arm around his shoulder and says, Son, let me take you over here with the lineman. And he begins to work with him, teaching him these skills. And all of a sudden, he starts to flourish he starts to, to find himself making progress. He starts to feel a, a sense of accomplishment because he is in the position that he was created for. And he starts to realize that that quarterback, however fast he may be, and ever how many cheerleaders are shouting his name, he's not going to get anywhere if he isn't doing his job. And we all know the offensive line gets it done. And then he now starts to, to come out to enjoy life because he accepts the limits that God has given him as a gift, not a punishment. Not a punishment. We have got to accept the reality of, of our limits as a gift. Forget what the world tells us. I read some of these slogans this week. No limits, no boundaries. The only thing stopping you is you. Never say I can't. I can is a limit. And life is about breaking through limits. Say, I will. Sometimes, but not most, not all the time. 
And this is not only. Some people in the world realize this. Willa Cather, a great author, said, to know, to, to know an artist's limitations is to define his talent. And for more of you non-readers, Nora Jones, first album sold 26 million copies and won eight Grammys. She says, your limitations create your sound. Your limitations create your sound. God wants your sound to come out of you. What does this look like? It looks like resting and rejoicing in Jesus. Guess what? You're not defined by what you do, but who you are in Christ. You don't compare yourself to someone else. Your identity is not either in your gift or in your limits. Your identity is in Jesus. What does this look like? It looks like resisting bitterness. It looks like you're not scrolling through that Facebook feed and comparing yourself to everybody else, what they do and what they accomplish, but you actually get to the point to where you can celebrate others' giftedness and say, wow, isn't it great what God can do through them? I could never do that. But that's awesome. So instead of filled with resentment and comparison, now you can have joy when others are more successful than you. Can you imagine that? Excuse me. I mean, for me as a pastor, some pastors have other gifts. Jared has gifts that I don't have. Luke has gifts that I don't have. They can do things that I will never be able to do, not because of a lack of desire on my part, but just because God has designed me in a different way. What does this look like? It looks like saying no sometimes. Do you know it can be a very spiritual thing when somebody asks you to do something to say no? Jesus did, right? Everybody's looking for you, Jesus. No, we're going to the next town because this is what God's called me to do. You've got to be able to say no, but why do we say no? Not so we can just not do anything. We say no so we can say yes. I'm going to say that again. You say no so you can say yes. You don't say no so you can go home and click off another season on Netflix, right? You say no so you can say yes to what God has wired, called, and gifted you to do. This is not a dream-killing message. This is a dream-defining message. This is not calling you to accept where you are. This is calling you to be who you are. This is giving your, ch- your dreams actually a chance to grow because you've been letting all of these other things in your life that are not who you are choke out the life of your dreams. God wants to use you. He wants you to be spent. He wants you to be tired. But He doesn't want you to be weary. He wants you to believe in a God who tells you all things are possible, but He wants you to be trusting Him to use you based on how He has uniquely designed you. He wants you to be making sacrifices, but He wants those to be the right sacrifices. Jesus didn't leave this town in our text because He wasn't willing to do hard work. But He has His mind set on the sacrifice God has called Him to make. The bins I showed you at the beginning are not built to be sleds. But you know what? Those things are pretty awesome, aren't they, when they're used for the right purpose? 
I mean, how many of us in here when we've had to move or needed to store something are like, I need some of those bins. Does anybody have any I can borrow? Or honey, back to the dollar store. Back to Walmart. We need more of those bins. If those bins were built to be sleds, we would not want them, would we, to store our stuff? Can you imagine hauling a bin built to be an awesome sled into a U-Haul over and over again or into an attic over and over again? But for what they're designed for, those things are great. They're great. When things are respected for their limits, they are not enslaved to a life of non-use. They are set free to be used like never before. So we must acknowledge the reality of limits, adjust to the reality of limits, and accept it. Because in the next, when, when you go and you stand before the Lord one day, guess what he's going to say? He's not going to say, you know what, why weren't you more like that other person? He's not going to say to me, Rusty, why weren't you more like Luke? Why weren't you more like Jared? He's going to say, why weren't you Rusty? And put your name in the blank. Why weren't you you? I created you to be you. Nobody else to be you but you. And you lived your life trying to be somebody else. I already had one of them. I want you to be you wholeheartedly, passionately, giving your all, denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following me. So let's not resent the limits God's placed on our life. Let us receive them as gifts by His grace and for His glory. Father, we thank You so much for Your goodness in creating us and making us just how we are. And Lord, we want to get rid of every sin. We want to put it to death so that You can shape us into the truest us we're meant to be in Jesus. And we ask You to forgive us for the many times we compare ourselves to others. And we've let that weigh us down and weary us. Instead of understanding who we are, have you gifted us and called us and being that for your glory. Oh God, we need you to help us apply this in our lives as we leave here today for your glory and the good of this city and the health of our own souls. In Jesus' name, amen.